0: Do I sound okay?
1: You sound perfect.
0: Mm, there it is. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. How do I sound now? You sound
1: amazing now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Chill, Lucha.
2: Alex, how are you feeling?
0: Oh, I'm nervous, Lena. <laughs> so nervous.
2: Yeah, this is our first podcast, so I'm excited, but equally nervous.
0: Yeah. Yeah, okay. You're right. Definitely excited. I mean, I think this is something cool and different. Mm-hmm. I'm not actually into into listening podcasts normally. I like that visual component, so this is going to be a challenge, but at least I can see you while I talk to you. Should we get into it? Should we talk about what this podcast is about
2: yeah let's do it all
0: right so we're off the beaten pod and in each episode we're chasing fresh interesting tales and looking at them through a lens of human-centered design we believe design touches every aspect of our everyday lives whether you're aware of it or not i'm talking about current events culture science technology you name it
2: We want to bring our listeners fascinating stories about design and innovation, and ask questions to uncover human needs that might not be top of mind.
0: So let's meet the rest of our crew. First up, we have Leo, our wonderful second year VP. Hi, Leo.
1: Hi, I know a lot of you listened to me talk a lot last year on the previous episodes as a co-host. I'm really excited to be kind of taking a step back this year and you know, helping guide the magic as everyone records, really, my interests in design it goes back to human centers, design, I think at the base of it all. You know I used to just build a lot of financial models, which is not the most exciting thing, but you realize even in something that granular, there's an aspect of making sure that the end party understands what this is supposed to be without you having to be there to hold their hand. And I think that is at the core of a lot of the things we're seeing happening, in just terms of general you know tech innovation, you name it.
0: I'm so glad we have you here, Leo, to help us with our first podcast. And for our new listeners, can you just share where you're from?
1: Yeah, I'm originally from Las Vegas, Nevada, grew up there. It's not really all that exciting uh, when you're growing up. It's a bunch of suburbs in the middle of nowhere. And afterwards I've worked in casino gaming, video games, and uh, now tech. It's, you know been a fun path.
0: Awesome. Again, thanks for being
2: here, Leo, and showing us the ropes. All right, next up is Peter. He is our secret producer.
1: Hi, everyone. Super excited to be here. My name is Peter. I'm a first-year student in Kellogg's new MBAI program, focusing on the intersection of artificial intelligence and machine learning and business. My background is in technology consulting. and I'm originally from the tri-state area. My interest in design comes a lot from my interest in human psychology and behavioral economics, which I've uh, learned a lot through podcasts such as Hidden Brain and Freakonomics.
0: And the last man behind the scenes supporting Lena and I is Lucho.
1: Hi, hello everyone. So yeah, my name is actually Luis, but everybody at Kellogg knows that they should call me Lucho. I'm originally from Peru. I'm currently a first year in the Triple M program. And my interest in human-centered design stems from previous experiences working with organizations and now i'm a firm believer that's also something i want to explore while at Caloc how can we apply human-centered design to design better organizations that attract excite develop exceptional people so i'm really excited about that
0: awesome excited to work with you lucho and lena you want to give your intro
2: Sure, so I grew up in California and lived in various cities across the states. I really enjoyed connecting with people through their stories, and one of my favorite podcasts is Modern Love.
0: Ooh, I love Modern Love, and the it was Amazon Prime show that they had, love the TV show. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Hey everyone, I'm Alex, I'm from the US, but I grew up in Tokyo and Shanghai, and I think interacting with different cultures and talking to different people is what got me down this path of being interested in design thinking and having empathy with people. And while I don't really listen to podcasts, what I do listen to now a lot are my strategy readings while I'm making bread.
2: (laughs) Alex bakes great bread, by the way. I just had some the other day. Let's talk about hidden design. In this episode, we'll be exploring how design manifests in more or less visible ways in different aspects of our lives.
0: Let's do it. So one very visible way that design manifests itself is with the Global Hub, have to talk about the Global Hub. Kellogg students there, day in, day out.
2: Yeah, so the Global Hub is Kellogg School's new building. It was open to students and staff in 2017. This initiative took more than seven years and one million work hours to bring to reality. For current students, like Alex mentioned, we really live at The Hubs. This is where we take our classes, engage in extracurricular activities, and attend on-campus interviews.
0: We're not doing any of that. We're just interacting, saying hi to each other. Kellogg has a lot of open spaces at The Hub, the Spanish Steps. We find so many humans day in, day out. I love trying to find the Triple M's that are around, see who they're talking to, maybe meet some new people. But I will say that it can get a little crazy, a little loud, and definitely if you're trying to focus, you should check out the study rooms. But those get booked so fast as well, so then maybe you should try one of the study lounges. A lot of people actually were surprised to find that there are study lounges towards the end of the hallways on the first and second floor. So
2: if you're listening and you didn't know about that, now you do. Related to that, I remember reading a Wall Street Journal recently about how the human voice evokes some of the most potent emotional responses. And sometimes when we're listening to half-versations where we only hear half of the conversation, we start to imagine what the other half would sound like. I feel like I catch myself doing this sometimes. I think the other day I heard someone say, oh no, you didn't, and I was like, what happened? What did she do? So there's that distraction. Half-versations,
0: I'm gonna start using that word in my everyday life, <laughs> but I think more applicable to like my mom not really listening to me, so I'm having a half-versation with her. But anyway, back to back to the hub. In it's different. its different spaces that it has for us.
2: Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about how our physical environment not only affects our interactions with others, but affects our own personal mood and well-being as well. So one thing you'll notice when you walk into the Global Hub is that she is very curvy. Ooh. So <laughs> yeah, we are actually located by Lake Michigan, and the Kellogg Building has a lot of curvatures to emulate the lakeside as well as the waves. This is something known in architecture as contextual architecture, where the design reflects and integrates into the landscape. And many environmental psychologists say that these more round and oval shapes help us to feel more soothed. In these spaces versus diagonals and straight lines, those really cause overstimulation in our brains at times and can really stress us out if we spend too long in those environments.
0: Wow, I didn't know that. I think that's really cool how the hub actually, you know, internally with the open spaces, like fosters those interactions between people, but then that contextual architecture of it's trying to soothe our little individual psychological minds.
2: Yeah, I mean, as we're interacting with people, I feel like we're already so stimulated, so it's nice to have something to balance that out. Absolutely.
0: One other interesting fact I learned about the hub is that they crowdsource the name for the Inspiring Grounds Cafe. Did you know that from students? No. Yeah, I think that's just really cool how they're trying to bring Kellogg's students into into having more responsibility and agency over their experience and the space. And I think that speaks to the larger fact that Kellogg really listens to students and the Kellogg Student Association.
2: Yeah, it definitely resonates with the collaborative culture at Kellogg.
0: I think we have to talk about those, some of the things we don't love about Mm, the Hub. mm -hmm. I know everyone probably has their own go-to things they hate. If we have a comment section, I would love to hear (laughs) what the things you hate are, but what's something that you don't love, Lena?
2: Yeah, my personal gripe with the Global Hub are the floor-length mirrors right by the door in the men's and women's restrooms. So sometimes when I'm having a bad hair day, I want to be able to fix myself up before I have to go into an important meeting, such as an interview or a presentation. But since these mirrors are right by the door, people are always walking by, and I feel self-conscious and spending too long in front of the mirror. So I often just decide to trade off (laughs) <laughs> looking my best to get out of there quicker. I guess if the intention is to move people in and out of the bathroom, then that goal is being achieved.
0: Yes, but if they really want to move people faster, I think we need more stalls. Agree. <laughs> the lines of the women's bathroom is always long in between classes. And I think the men's bathroom, too. I also heard another student say that one of the things they absolutely hate about the design of the hub are the doors just when you enter
2: oh yeah I feel like it's always like a quick like three to four seconds of being awkward with someone else whether you're like trying to push or pull the door as you're entering the building
0: yeah and and no matter how many times we walk in day in day out it's just not intuitive whether I should push or pull because they're these big glass doors with those long silver rods and there's no indication of of like a sign that says pull or push. You just have to trial and error and you know, you never remember which one to do. Right.
2: So we talked about how architecture and interior layouts are very visible ways in which good design can be experienced. Now let's shift gears and talk about how design impacts our lives in less visible ways, especially interactions that don't necessarily happen in physical spaces.
0: So the next thing we wanted to talk about are design of human interactions, specifically with the recruiting process. Think Kellogg students, especially first years trying to get that summer internship, or second years looking for that full-time offer. There's a lot of recruiting buzz happening on campus right now. Think that there's also just general stories of things people have liked, didn't like in general. I I know that some people have such bad recruiting experiences that it just completely turns them off from ever applying to that company again. Which is kind of sad, but it just shows you how important having, you know, mindful design in this kind of a process is. I know one thing that people have loved in some of their experiences has just been about having open communication, being really clear. And I think you need that with a with something like recruiting that's so nerve wracking and mm-hmm. you're looking for a job, you're looking for a way to make money in the future or get this internship that might validate what you want to do with the rest of your life. It's very scary. So just having more insight into what this small step in the process is, is super important.
2: So we reached out to other Kellogg students to see what they loved about the interview process.
0: A student said that for an internship that she applied to, the HR team gave like a lot of context of what the certain skill sets they were looking for and just did a great job with expectation setting and even had great collateral for communicating the company's culture and values, which is great. Sometimes maybe you have generic values that are shared across or it sounds like it could be from many different companies. And then another example I heard about was actually for someone's Kellogg alumni interview. And they were just impressed that their interviewer read the fun facts section and made a point to talk to them about it. And it actually led to them texting about the Arsenal match later that weekend.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah, I feel like recruiting is such a vulnerable process for a lot of people. It's almost like trying to date someone, you're sharing a lot about who you are and seeing if that person will respond to you. And what really, I think, puts candidates in a difficult position is that idea of rejection. And I think that companies can be better about how they talk to prospective candidates that they will not be moving forward. So one of the students at Kellogg talks about how he really enjoys receiving a warm email, letting him know whether or not he was able to move forward. Even if things don't go well, it's still nice that the company will let him know that his time is appreciated. Interviews can be a really daunting process that can span 5 to 10 hours of investment. So knowing that your time was well received even though you didn't get the job, I think is still value added for the candidate. A couple of other things companies can do better that is really providing feedback to candidates. So I think providing candidates with feedback really promotes a growth mindset and encourages candidates to apply in the future. Imagine if you were ghosted by a company. This would be awkward to like interact with them in the future. It's like getting ghosted by a romantic partner. You do not want to meet them at the next <laughs> event. So here with us is Jordan Tranchina, a second year student
0: in the 2i MBA program at Kellogg. We looked for exceptional recruiting experiences in the Kellogg community, and Jordan reached out to us with a wonderful story. Welcome, Jordan.
3: Thank you very much, Alex. Happy to be here.
0: So, Jordan, the story comes from Gusto. Can you tell us more about them? What do they do?
3: Yeah, totally. So, Gusto is a HR tech company, and basically they help small, medium businesses run payroll primarily. That's what they, they first got popular with, but then later expanded into other HR services. So whenever you're trying to hire someone or fire someone or do performance reviews, as well as figuring out payroll and taxes and all these forms you had to file as a, as a small business, Gusto helps with all of that. So it's a really cool product and I was honored to work there this summer.
0: That's awesome. And I heard they have something called the watermelon interview. Yes. What is that? Yeah.
3: So the watermelon interview is very interesting. There's actually a funny uh, story behind the name. So the founder, his name is Josh, Joshua specifically. He, he, whenever he was hiring his first employee, he was living in a garage and, or working out of garage and the homeowner happened to really enjoy watermelons. And so he hired his first employee and the first employee was coming over to come and like work at the garage for the first time. And he reached out to the homeowner. Owner and said, "Hey, I don't have anything to to welcome this new employee with. Can I borrow this watermelon?" And so that's uh, kind of how it started, where he gifted this first employee at Gusto a watermelon that later scaled as as Gusto did to the point where on everyone's first day for a period of time, they handed them all watermelons. Ended up being a really big logistical nightmare to like move around a bunch of watermelons. So I, I don't think that they do that anymore, but the that's kind of where the legend of it comes from.
0: Wow, well, I'm glad he at least asked the homeowner if yeah. he could like use it as a gift. Yeah. I
3: thought you were gonna say
0: he just <laughs> stole it.
3: <laughs> no, it was, it was very kind.
0: So that's the legend, the myth, and how it started. But could you walk us through the watermelon interview and what it was like for you?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, whenever I was going through the recruiting process, I got through the first round, which was really more of a phone screener, and then came to the super day. And the first interview of the super day was the watermelon interview, the second one was a, a product management case. Um, But I got some information beforehand, and the information that I received about about the watermelon interview was, This is not like your typical interview. We're not really going to ask you any questions about, tell me about a time where you failed, or tell me about a time where such and such happened. It's much more focused on who you are as a person, which is really cool. So whenever I got into the interview, they asked all questions about me as a human. One other thing that that Gusso does, which is really unique, is that the person who gives this watermelon interview has nothing to do with your job. So the person that interviewed me was the the person who's in charge of facilities management at Gusto for the San Francisco office. So like he makes sure that everyone who walks through the door knows where they're going. He effectively like works the front desk. And he was the one who who gave that in an interview. And so Gusto takes a, a really unique approach to that where like This is solely just about two people talking to each other, which was, which was really a cool experience. So some of the questions that I got were, okay, can you tell me about what excites you and what do you spend your free time doing? And if money was no object, where would you go? And I think what that, what that really instilled was they they really care about the person that they're hiring and they want to bring that full person there. So that was really refreshing and and really stood out whenever I was going through the recruiting process with gusto.
0: Wow. Um, that sounds super cool. I think I've heard a lot of companies say, yeah, be you don't worry about anything, but then it's still very evident by their questions that, you know, they're trying to fit you into their box. Exactly. So that's, yeah, definitely a different a different kind of experience. I have to ask though, how did you feel, not being interviewed by a hiring manager or like someone that you would actually work with yeah. on your team? Because I feel like maybe you didn't get, or my assumption would be that you sure. might not get a clear view of what your actual job would be like or sure. how you would interact with people on your team.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. So l- luckily, the the interview that i had after which was the pm case was with the person that i would eventually be working with the entire summer so i got a little bit more of a sense of of what was going on there but it was it, honestly it, it really didn't bother me that the person that i was talking to wasn't wasn't directly related to my team honestly it was it was really refreshing and i i really enjoyed it
0: but i think it's it's so interesting that you had just this facilities manager do do your interview mm-hmm. it seems like they have this sense of like Gusto as a full team. Usually, like I said, you know, people are trying to see, do you fit this specific team within the larger company or not? And, right. you know, sometimes they like you, but you don't fit the team and in, in the need. So yeah. I think in just the examples of the questions they asked you, they were so interested in you. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that?
3: Sure. Yeah. One of the things that for Gusto and, and something that I received in the packet ahead of that interview was an explanation that this is not a culture fit interview they're not trying to fit you into their culture it's really more of a culture ad interview if that makes sense where they're trying to figure out what you as a person add to the cultural complexity of gusto and how you make that a more rich diverse space with your thoughts and your actions and things that motivate you and how that and how that can add to what already exists at gusto as opposed to trying to make sure that you're in lockstep with the culture that that already exists so that was really refreshing i love that yeah
0: instead of a culture fit it's like culture enhancement and Mm -hmm. it gives you the employee joining this group this team to have your own agency to help shape it forward absolutely which is definitely more fun (laughs) add some new things yeah bring yourself to what you do
3: absolutely yeah It it was very cool
0: so what happened at the end of this recruiting and amazing interview process?
3: Yeah, so I got the job, which is great. But the way in which I got the job was really cool. So I got a phone call from Nicole, who's the recruiter, and she gave me a call. And whenever I picked up the line, it said, hi, this is a Zoom meeting. You've been connected with Nicole. And I was like, why is this a Zoom meeting? And she hopped on the phone and was like, hey, Jordan, I hope you're doing well. Do you have some time for some good news? I was like, "Yes, I definitely have time for some, <laughs> oh, I always nice. have time for good news." And she said, "Great. Well, I can't wait to tell you about it. First, I have two other people that have joined the call. Just want to let them introduce themselves." Just heard these two voices uh, that sounded really familiar. And I knew those voices because they were the people who had interviewed me. And so Ivan and Vipple hopped on the phone, and they said, "Hey, Jordan. Hello, Jordan." And I was like, "Wow, this is incredible. I had, I've never really like gone through an experience in which all of the people who had interviewed me hop back on the phone to really add that personal touch. And so Nicole at that point shared with me that I had gotten the offer. And I said, wow, this is this is wonderful. Thank you so much. And then actually Ivan and Vipple took turns talking about what they really enjoyed from our conversation together. And so Ivan talked about how we had bonded over video games and how he was really intrigued that the way in which I am really attracted to world building and like understanding various different systems and architecture inside of actual video games and how that translated into my love of travel and trying to understand the systems of various different other places that I travel to. He was like, wow, that really said, and then Vipul talked about how I had done all of this research and, and come really prepared and how that had kind of shown off in the, in the interview. And then through my emails with him, as well as various different other people that I had networked at Gusto beforehand. So he had went and talked to all of those people as well. Um, and it really just gave me the impression that, like, these two individuals, as well as Nicole, the recruiter, genuinely care about me throughout this interview process. And they, like, genuinely went through the time and effort that it takes to to show that they they actually cared. And that made a huge impression on me.
0: I think that's a, amazing. I'm just sitting here with my mouth open, <laughs> wide eyed. I don't think I've ever heard of an experience like this before. I've heard yeah. maybe you'll get the people that have interviewed you before saying, yay, congrats, we're happy you're here. But, mm-hmm. I mean, they listed off why they were excited, all those things from, you know, the recruiting process, interview process that they had heard. Yeah. Um, that's awesome.
3: Yeah, it was it was that. And then what what truly put it over the top for me was whenever Vipul said that he had reached out to other people that I was networking with at the company that I had just talked to just before the interview process started just to understand what it was like to work at Gusto and the fact that he reached out to them without me telling him that I was talking to them showed like how much research they had done into me and had kind of asked around which was very impressive. So yeah, it was super cool.
0: Yeah, I mean this is I think a very stressful process at times but it sounds like you had uh, just a great experience. Is there anything else from your recruiting experience at Gusto that you wanted to add that maybe we just haven't quite talked about yet?
3: Yeah. Um, I think overall for me, my my impression of recruiting with Gusto, and especially through that watermelon interview, just really left the impression of like, Gusto is looking for the right person to join. And if they can get the right person to join, then they can make them a great employee for Gusto and they can make them really succeed within that environment. Um, but it's really that focus on the person and making sure that they get the right person in there uh, that really stood out for me throughout my entire process. Yeah, it was fantastic.
0: Yeah, it sounds like they definitely got the right person. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, well, this has been awesome, Jordan. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to share your experience
2: with Gusto and the Watermelon interview.
3: Yeah, you bet. Happy to.
2: Wow, that was really interesting. I love that Gusto focuses on the person and really helping people bring their unique identities to the workplace.
0: Yeah, and I love just hearing Jordan give those specific examples of the questions they asked. It reminds me of some other job postings and examples that I've heard of where companies are changing the language that they have to try and be more inclusive For example, IDEO changed the language on their job postings, and they said, please still apply even if you don't feel fully qualified, which is awesome because I think especially as a woman, when I see things out there that maybe I I can't fully do Excel as a master like they say I, I should, I'm definitely turned off from applying. As one Forbes article put it, men are confident about their ability to check off 60% 60% of those skills listed, but women don't feel confident until they've checked off every item on the list.
2: Yeah, I can definitely relate to that as I've been looking at different job postings. I think another thing that companies can do to be more inclusive during the interview process is really set up candidates for success by giving them guidance on how to best approach the interview process. For instance, if the company is planning to conduct virtual interviews, they can share with the candidate tips on using professional backgrounds and locating a space where they can talk without being interrupted. Not all candidates come from these backgrounds where these social norms are well known. So by giving candidates additional guidance, they can really help to level the playing field.
0: I never thought about that as something of a place of privilege for me to already have have learned those norms in an interview process.
2: Yeah. For instance, in undergrad, I learned about how sending thank you notes after an interview is common practice and helps keep you top of mind for companies. I grew up as a first-generation college student and working professional, so a lot of these tips were not things I learned from my own family members.
0: So as we've talked about the hidden design of the recruiting process, hearing some examples, talking with Jordan, what are some takeaways that you have?
2: Yeah, I feel like when recruiters provide more information around the expectations, how to prepare, and company norms, they're really helping to level that playing field between different candidates. On the flip side, when this information is not distributed to candidates, those who have greater access to resources and relationships benefit more. So I think being thoughtful and how the recruiting process is designed really can help bring more equity to companies.
0: I love that. Maybe it seems it seem a little obvious, like be more intentional, have clear communication, but it's obviously not as easy to do as it seems, and I'm glad we got to hear some good examples of how it's being done.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: So we talked about design in visible places and in some more hidden places, and this is our
2: first episode, Lena. How are you feeling now? I'm relieved that we made it to the end. Thank you to our producer, Lucho, for giving us a lot of encouragement throughout the process. I see him waving his hands, (laughs) telling us, you know, pick up the energy. (laughs) Yes, there are always great people behind the
0: scenes. (laughs) Definitely need to thank them. And to everybody that's been sticking with us and listening to our first episode, thank you so much.
2: Yes, we really appreciate it. And we'd love to hear your feedback if you have any.
0: Or what you want to listen to in the future. Until next time. See you guys. I'm Lena. And I'm Alex.
2: And we're off the beaten pod.
0: Bye.